Well, have you ever laughed so hard that you cried? I think Lily Tomlin was the first to say that I like, I really like laughing a lot because I get two emotions for the price of one when it's at the extreme. Uh, the guest today is a man who's made me laugh to the point of crying. He's he's inspired me in so many ways. I, I When I describe Brad to people, uh, beyond thinking he's probably one of the nicest people you will ever meet, I typically say Brad is the guy who can, in one moment, take on a character, voice, posture, expression, kind of like Tim Conway. I mean, he's at that level, if you remember the late Tim Conway, just that amazing facial voice communication stuff. So he does that. And then the next moment he could do a Vegas level magic trick. And in the next level, he could show you how, while well, that magic trick is spectacular, something as simple as blowing a dandelion into the air can be magic to a child and how we can capture the natural occurring magic that's around us. Brad Montgomery is somebody I absolutely love and adore, and I am so excited to share with you today. And with that in mind, I would love to just give you a sense of what he looks like on the big screen before you see him side by side with me on this. You have a much greater ability to create positive impacts on purpose. And when you use it strategically on purpose, you improve yourself, your profession, you can change your family, you can change the world. People, we're not a football family. Look at this body. This is gonna be awkward. Careful, you don't know where that's been. I swear, if he was selling timeshares, I would have bought one right there. The surgeons do not run out every day and say, thank you so much, it was perfect. You are leaders in ways you might not believe unless someone tells you. If only you guys had access to people who needed your help. The crowd absolutely wild. Super high energy. Awesome. Wonderful. Inspiring. Exceptional. You are awesome. When we embrace that, we make ourselves better. We make our profession better. We make everything better. You got to love how well I edit at the end there, where you've got your future YouTube videos inserted on top of it, Brad. I am nothing but well, artistic. That is a mighty fine buildup, Mr. <laughs> Michelli. Hey, I, I dare I... say I cannot reach that bar. <laughs> <laughs> I think oh, you've been the at the bar. I've ever spent. I'm telling you, that you, I think you've reached some kind of bar, all right. Um, hey, thank you for being here. What a weird world we are in, right? The man who on stage, I mean, seriously, people get a feel. I put that video in there because you own the big crowd. You've got them swaying with you. You got them dancing. You got them laughing. You got them like with their cameras all out to catch the next weirdity thing that you're going to do to inspire them. What's it like not being out on that circuit as much. Oh, it's super fun. Just totally, absolutely fulfilling to do a presentation and just have the camera go off. It's fantastic. Come on. I wasn't, you know, I told you I was going to try to keep you on a single screen, 
but I'm so prone to laugh that people are wondering where the laugh track's coming from. So now I have to stay on camera just as, <laughs> so people don't think that you're laughing at your own voice and ventriloquism. Well, you know exactly. Okay, so you, what it's like. have you adjusted? Have you adjusted to it? Oh yeah, totally. I managed change perfectly without any hitches or delays. Not a hitch. Um, and my life is astoundingly wonderful. Well, the truth of the matter is, you talk about change. So come on, you know. It, but it's easier to talk about it with other people. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I mean, that's the humbling truth, Joseph. Is you asked me, you know, have you changed? Have you pivoted? Isn't that the new the word? I hate that word. Have you pivoted to virtual? Um, but and the answer is yes. But that ain't to say uh, it was easy. And you know, it is ironic to have been paid by organizations I really respect to come and give them wisdom about how to manage change. And then the, the pandemic came and I'm like, hold the fort. What? I don't like this. This is not good. And so I, you know, I'd like to say- humanity. That, yeah. I think it's that humanity, it's that vulnerability, it's that approachability that says, you know, just because I say I know how to handle change, it's perfect for me. I mean, it is that voice you use that kind of reminds us that no matter how much we are aware of the factors needed to help an organization move forward, when it hits as hard as it did into our lives, it, it's really different. I mean, as a speaker, it's a whole different world now. It's not the big crowd and there's no crowd most of the time. <laughs> yeah. And as you know, with the tech we deal with, the larger the crowd is for a virtual conference, the more distant the presenter feels because they, they're just more and more barriers. Whereas a small crowd, it's like Zoom and you're you're on with your mother-in-law. It's great. Yeah. Big but you're crowd. right. Some of the big crowds, I mean, they've got a studio and you're interacting with people in a studio and they've got your slide deck. It's like this, this command central is running the show <laughs> and you're just talking to the mothership and everything else happens I from there. I know. Like the last time I did one, which I know you've done a million times, Joseph, but um, I'm looking at my camera right there. And there's no feedback. There's no gallery. There's no chat box. There's I can't see or hear anybody. Um, and, and so at the end, I said, all right, well, thanks. And I just stood there like a chucklehead. And finally, I texted like on the sly, uh, am I out? Are you? Am I? I'm not on, right? No, you're out. You've been out for three minutes. But it's so different from walking off a stage and you feel like there's people there and, you know, energy and. But, but, you know, it's as we say that on the one hand, how hard it is to make the change and but you still can have impact. Right. And and I'm going to go to the issue of humor for a second. I mean, this is a tricky time to communicate humor. There's always been gallows humor right? forever. The notion of the dark humor uh, where at least they haven't killed me yet or, you know, I'm not dead yet uh, in a Monty Python kind of sense. Uh, but but it's tricky. I mean, how do you help people? find the natural occurring humor of reality to, to use the example I did when I set you up. Uh, how do you help them find that and still be sensitive to the fact that people are dying and suffering out there all around us? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, <do. laughs> well, I thought you wanted honesty. Yeah. Uh, I'm not Yoda here, people, <laughs> but I do have, I do have some ideas and the bar has changed for me. I think, it's much easier to laugh with other people than it is to laugh alone. 
So if you picture any one of us watching TV, whatever the funniest show is, you probably don't laugh that much compared to if you were at that live, a live play or something like where everybody around you is laughing, then you'd be laughing more. So, you know, the, what humor means and the, the, um, the bar kind of what to expect from our audiences, I, I think has changed a ton. Really hard. I, I watch a ton of uh, Netflix stand-up comedy. I've never laughed once, I think. But when I'm in a comedy club, I'm laughing a lot. So we're dealing with this. It's an indirect answer to your question, but I think the answer really is not always to consider humor punchlines and jokes. And is are, are the people in your Zoom meeting laughing? It's it's more like can you add some space and some air, and can you can you connect a little bit? Can you just let them know you're not taking them that seriously and you're not taking yourself that seriously in a way that helps all of us move forward in a very serious fashion? So I, think yeah, I, I like that sort of giving space, right? I mean, part of all of what we need is to take a step back from the obvious suffering and, and uncertainty and anxiety, just to step back for a minute. Because unless we do, I mean, I used to like it to the fact, you know, problems are all here and you don't get a little distance from it. There's nowhere, but the, all you see is problem, right? There is no solution space. There's no <sighs> space. Yeah. I don't normally do that, but oh, thank you. I feel better now. <laughs> well, there is um, a strategy I've been using with my audiences since 9-11 that I've used a lot since the quarantine. Um, and that is just to call it out and say the truth, which is it's kind of weird to be making, t telling stories that maybe are a little bit more frivolous and to make jokes about things that are maybe not that important and, um, to talk about stuff my kids do that really isn't that life-shattering. Um, and be at a time where we know people are dying and people are, are ridiculously concerned about their aging parents and when am I going to get the vaccine and I still haven't recovered. I'm foggy because I still have an effect from COVID. So just calling that out, saying that's weird, and then kind of nod. And then you say, but I kind of think maybe all of us need a break. You want to just, just walk away from that? We're not going to ignore it, but just just ignore it for a little bit. And then the answer is always a, oh, please, yes. Yeah. Just can we talk about your family or can we talk about cat videos or, you know, whatever your equivalent is? Well, I just know that Tiger King probably would not have made it had it not been for COVID, right? Like we <laughs> needed, we needed that horrid destruction. Uh, and not that I. I saw it first, but I'm just saying that, that there's that part of us, I think, that that are needing something like a scroller that says Brad Montgomery <laughs> to appear immediately on the screen. Uh, all right, let's talk about this Brad Montgomery guy and uh, why I'm running the scroll on the screen because it's not like CNN and there's Brad, not breaking news. About you now. Come in, they're going to talk about <laughs> So Brad, if Brad were here, uh, what might he say about where pe why people would reach out to a speaker, a facilitator at this time? I mean, obviously, maybe because they need that space that we just talked about? Well, it's funny, right? At the first part of the pandemic, all of my clients, and I really would love to learn about your clients too, Joseph, if you had the same experience, but my clients, I think we're in hunker down mode and like, we're not going to do anything but hard skills. If it's not a freaking hard tactic. I don't want to hear about it. And now I think 
what's happening is the pendulum has swung and people are realizing that even teams that are productive, even teams that are profitable are flipping overwhelmed and they're tired and they're, they're, you know, they're done. They're just like all of you are done. All of us are, I'm just done with the pandemic. So too are our teams. And it's finally time, I think, to call that out and say, maybe it's time to in invest in our, our people and check in on them and make sure that they're not just productive and not just profitable, but you know, how's your resilience? Are you going to make it through this? I don't want you to leave. I don't want you to quit. And it's hard because you're, you know, people are being there in front of their camera and they still got kids. So finally taking the time to say, all right, let's check in again. How are we doing as humans? How are we doing as a team? Forget the um, business function of the team, but are you having any fun? Do you feel connected? Or are you feeling disengaged and disconnected? So when I was interviewing a lot of these leaders for the last book that I did about this time, one of the things they said is it was hard to show appreciation because they got so swept up into just doing what was necessary in the crisis. So they, they knew that they weren't doing all that great a job of showing appreciation before the pandemic. And now with the urgency of the moment, they had almost lost any room to say thank you. I, I mean, there are exceptions, don't get me wrong, but but the tendency to focus on the crisis as opposed to the appreciation was greater. And so it seems like if anything, it's now time you know, to take a pause, <laughs> a breath, and to say thank you. And thank you by inviting Brad Montgomery to kind of lift our spirits, to, to kind of lead us with some hope and some heart. Oh. See how I did that? See how I did that there? Oh, lead, this lead with some jelly guy. He's the best. You know, if I was really the best, I would have said lead with some heart and hope. I would have had the sequence right, but I, <laughs> I improvised there. I was playing it loose well, with Brad. Just, just to defend our leaders, because I'm hearing the same thing too. Leaders are saying, wow, I wasn't super great at being an encourager ahead of time, and now I really suck at it. But to be fair, no one, none of those leaders have had good role models. They've never had someone encouraged them through zoom and virtual and they've, you know, they've never had a really crappy role model where they say to themselves, I will never be like that first boss. So they're kind of inventing it on the, on the fly. So uh, I means I got some sympathy and some empathy with them. On the other hand, like, come on time peep peeps. It's time to open up that can of common sense. And uh, maybe you have yeah. to the phone. Though, though Will Rogers said that, you know, common sense isn't so common, right? I mean, it, it takes sometimes somebody to nudge us a little bit into into those spaces. And I, you know, that's what I think a lot of motivational speakers or you know, speakers do is they kind of nudge us into the truths that we all know to be self-evident, but we need to be reminded of or we need to have them hit us in a salient way. Uh, and the and people like you, I mean, you're much better. I we both shared stages. We've known each other for a long time on stage. You're I've been much there better when you have rocked that audience. Yeah, well, that was once. That was 1982, though. Uh, but but let's. I mean, what I love about you is that you're you are a craftsman. I mean, there's so much spontaneity about who you are, but the way you work a line, there there's a power moment in you know in a story. You just own that moment. You build the crescendo to that moment, and you know every word is purposeful. Um, so there you go. Dude, who needs a therapist when I got you? <laughs> Fantastic. 
you are good for my self-image. Yeah, well, I think that's what you do. I mean, a lot of what you do is is affirming, right? I mean, let's talk about that, really. Now I got to do the dang. I got to change. I only had storytelling up for 30 seconds, and you tempted <laughs> me off of this. We are. This is like PowerPoint of 2021. Would like you, you like are, to talk about, talk about storytelling? About then we could talk about your therapist. Then we could talk about who's encouraging. Like one at a time. So storytelling. Let's let's stay with what I've got on the screen. <laughs> it is your uh, Yeah, so thank you. Um, storytelling is part of the art that you do, and you really do craft stories. I mean, I'm not saying they're not spontaneous, but there's a lot of works in building a story that really connects. So I don't want you to tell me a story. I don't need to go to sleep or anything, but... I am curious how you go about selecting the stories of all the things that happen in your life. And then how do you groom them so that you strip away the things that are extraneous and, and keep it moving with some payoffs of laughter and then bada bing, bada boom with the, the point. Well, Joseph, uh, to answer your question, I'll use the three S's of storytelling. <laughs> S is see if they're awake. Yeah. <laughs> But there is there is something that I've been growing into because I'm I'm 55 now and uh, I'm finally growing in to the knowledge that everybody likes a good old once upon a time, including C-suite rock stars. Um, and it turns out that if people are listening and engaged, that's when you can really just drop the tiniest little hint of a message in, but it becomes super powerful. I, like the power is outsized. So one was just kind of giving myself permission to say like, wait a minute, these are seasoned executives. Why would I tell them a story? Um, and the answer is like, oh, cause it works and they like yeah. it and they hire me back. But this, the second thing that's right parallel to that, Joseph is um, as I age, I'm giving myself permission to tell personal stories instead of, oh, there's this case study or I had a client who, or I was studying this book that, Instead, just saying like, here's something that happened that is not related to you or your business, but see if you can find yourself in the story. And I bet you can. Um, and just just going off on what they feel like is a tangent. Like, why is he talking about uh, soccer? Um, and then, you know, by the end, they're like, oh, I see what he did. Yeah. Uh, he's building a point. He's like making an argument. I get it. Super. And I, I love that transition from needing to have, you know, the asterisk and the source in the citation to your story. I mean, I remember after I did my dissertation and I wrote my first like thought leadership piece, at least I was trying to be a thought leader. I had no thoughts and I couldn't lead anything, but, <laughs> but it was my effort. And but everything was, you know, cited, cited, incited. And I remember the first book, my editor saying, Joseph, you don't need to put a citation after every flipping sentence in this book, right? I mean, at some point you have to trust that your life experience resonates with the life experience of other people. And if you're doing it with the hope of connecting, not to look at me storytelling, it seems to work, right? I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, only um, only the word seems is wrong. It does work. And it's amazing. And isn't, yeah. it, isn't it interesting as... Um, Humans, I think all of us, when we're young professionals, we're just getting our that ball going. We all want to rely on what we see as that professionalism. So the citations and the those are the the new hires that always wear the perfect red 
tie or whatever. And then as you grow into it, you realize, ah, what I matter, what I wear doesn't matter as much. I can relax. I can actually laugh at, at work and um, no one thinks less of me. And, so and I'm, gonna, I'm just really, going to throw this out to those of you who are viewing uh, through on LinkedIn or wherever you might be viewing this live or many of you I know will see this in replay. But those of you who are viewing live, I'd love to have you just pop into the chat your thoughts about how well, I mean, where have you connected playfully or as a community or in the virtual space with team members or maybe as a leader, how have you helped your team come together? Because, you know, I hear of scavenger hunts, for example, and uh, Brad, I see a lot of different tools and things tried here on virtual scavenger hunts, a classic one, um, trivia, uh, lots of trivia activity in this space. What, what are you seeing leaders do to try to, I've got to bring this back up again, lead with heart and hope uh, to try to bring their people together? Because you're more into this. I know you're doing yeah. Zoom facilitations and all kinds of stuff. What's, what's what be happening out there? I'm not, I'm not against all those things, trivia contests and, all, you know, there's a lot of cool online tools. Great. Do them. Game, games and whatever else. But I, I really don't think any of that is... Um, and like, uh, it's not sufficient. All of that is not something you do in lieu of actually connecting one on one. And I have a little story for you. See what I did there? I love that. Um, so is it going to be about soccer? <laughs> I'm I'm on a Zoom call, or, or I'm I'm leading the session. But uh, I got to see gallery view, and at one point I put a question out there, and this young woman came on, and she was just all vibrant and bouncy and sparkly and brilliant, and um. Afterwards, I said to my client, to the leader, uh, you know, that woman is like the poster child for what your culture is. I'm sure you thought about letting her know you noticed too. And she was super kind and took a note, but she did send something to that kid. Uh, you know, she was young, right? I don't, she was not a kid, but. You're 55. Everybody's a kid. But my, my the point was to me, that kind of seems obvious. One of the things you could do is connect on one-on-one. -on -one. It, it could be a text or an email. A phone probably works better. It's a it's one of the apps on your phone. You should look for it. But, you know, I think it's common sense. You need to, if you're the leader, you need to understand people who work with you and report to you are overwhelmed and exhausted and they have imposter syndrome and they wonder if they're making it and does it does my background look stupid and all the all the things they think. And when you, as a leader, contact them and say, it's fun watching you. I think you're doing well. Do you feel like you are? Because I think you're rocking it. What? That is way better than a trivia contest. Well, I like this one uh, of the people who have jumped in. Uh, Eric, talking about community service. I think purposefulness. I mean, you are the king of talking about purpose. Thanks, Eric, by the way, for giving an example of how he brings his team together in a way that's that refuels them. Uh, here's one from Lou. Uh, this uh, looks like Luke Carbone, somebody who's in the speaking world. If not, he, he should. looks like he's rocking it. He does look set aside one on one time. Or how about Dan Lundy? I work alone, so I'm leading myself on the road to nowhere. <laughs> Credit to David Byrne. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. Uh, that made me laugh. All right, so, um but, but I think there's a lot of different examples here. I mean, the purposefulness piece is what I wanted to thread through because you talk about being on purpose and focusing on purpose and how purpose is a fueling source, right, for people? Yeah, but uh, yes, and 
my real I love that. No, it's not a no, but it's a yes and that is an improv technique from the backwoods. Yes. Joseph, you're wrong, but yes and yeah, go ahead. Really, really awkward to call out a podcast host. Hey Joseph, you're just full of crap. And let me tell you what. So purpose has nothing to do with it. Go ahead. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that as a leader, the power of showing the people that report to you that they have purpose is insane and in turn gives us as leaders purpose. So that in the, back to the previous example, um, calling that woman and saying like, you are exactly what our culture needs. And if just keep doing that, I need you like that at every meeting because you're fantastic. That will change our culture. And through that, in this case, they were going to change healthcare. So do you get it? I need well, you. And I think that that goes to Lou Carbone's point. And they set aside one-on-one -on -one time. It's that kind of that dial that really focuses on you, right? Uh, as opposed to the, we've been rocking it as a team message. It's like you as an individual, let's get to know you. Let's figure out what's going on with you. Let me find strengths in you and celebrate those. And then I'll go back and I'll, I'll connect with Eric because I'm not going to do the yes and thing. It's all... And, for Eric, because you know, the part of the way you help people find their purpose is by giving them something they can influence and control. You know, one of the things of community service often is, well, we may be so absorbed about all the things we can't do. There's a lot of people who need a lot of what we can do and figuring out how to pivot, pivot, because I love you, you love that word, pivot into that space is pretty important. There was yeah. no question there, just leave that out there for you. I'll, I'll, how about this? Joseph, that was a good point. <laughs> See what I did there? I was encouraging you. Oh, gosh. Uh, we've gone to this. All right. So, wait, so, wait, wait, wait stop just so, for a second. Do you get, I, even though I was joking, there is a point there. I, we were talking about leaders to feel overwhelmed and they don't know what to do next. I think just stopping and having that one on one time, thank you, Lou, and saying, you're making a difference, you're in the right job keep doing this. I can't wait to see you do next. That has always been crucial, but now because we're so geographically separated, it's vital. And the changes you make by doing those small moments of saying, Joseph, that was a very good question. We should, you know, and I'll go to, thank you. Thank you. By the way, I feel so affirmed for that. Um, Dan, uh, you know, Dan's point that there are a lot of people working alone out there too. And so, it, we have to remember, even if we don't have a cadre of people we're influencing, that we need to take care of ourselves. Mm. And that taking respite, taking a moment, taking pause to create that space for ourselves is important, right? Right. And even when we work alone, because I'm a solopreneur, I get it. I don't have a you know Monday morning team meeting. Even as solopreneurs, we can take responsibility and initiative to be an encourager to others. And it doesn't necessarily have to be those people reporting to you. It can be the barista at Starbucks in the drive-through or your kid or your parents or your sibling or your buddy or your peer. And that in turn gives us meaning and purpose in equal, equally valuable ways that helps us power through and, you know, get juiced up for the part 19 of this pandemic. So let's, let's talk about then kind of where you play, right? So, if I were to go to that bradmontgomery.com place that seems to continuously show up at the bottom <laughs> of the screen. I don't feel like I'm watching it. <laughs> if, if we were to go there, let's pretend we did. Uh, thank you, Brad. 
So uh, if you were to go there, I got to stop the ticker because I because I got to keep you in the screen. If would you do you like that better, Brad? Is that a better version of of us today? Uh, I gotta say, oh, hold on, wait a minute. I can't even go there because you bring up things and people react to you. You mentioned imposter syndrome. Is uh, that the new mal malady? It seems to be afflicting people who don't exhibit the signs of it, but believe they have it. <laughs> That's a deep thought. That's one of those ones. Go ahead and answer, Brad, please. It's sort of, um, the answer is, yeah, <laughs> I know. Like, just That's a great tautology question. Whoever crafted it is should be in comedy. Uh, you know, let's talk about imposter syndrome at a serious level. Uh, and then the, it's like the, if the tree falls in the forest, did anybody hear it? I mean, if you're, if you have the imposter syndrome, do you know, or are you, are you faking your knowledge of it? All right, let's go to the actual talk about imposter syndrome. Here's my take on that. I suspect 99% of the people listening to this right now have one time in their life felt like I might be overmatched. I'm in the wrong place. I, I don't belong. I'm not good enough. Um, and the 1% who doesn't think that are narcissists. It's just human and acknowledging that in ourselves makes you strong, not the opposite. Acknowledging that in yourself that you also like it when people say you're doing well um, gives you that power then to turn that to others and say, you're killing it. If they are in fact killing it or you're on the right track or I can't see, I wait to see what's next or I see greatness within you or whatever, you know, cliche you want to throw at them. Those are not cliches. Those are true. And kind of denying that they're imposter syndromes, I just push back and say, like, I'm I haven't met anyone who's honest and not a narcissist who hasn't experienced that. So I uh this last week's blog, I kid you not, starts with I am an imposter. That's what it starts. And it says, but thank God, thank God for 2020, because one of the gifts it gave me is I'm less of an imposter than I was in 2019. That's kind of the beginning of the blog this week. And it's a whole series I'm doing on the gifts of the pandemic, right? Nice. And then I, I very tongue in cheek say, you know, I understand that there, to your point, what we talked about earlier, like I know there are a lot of people who did not get gifts. They got curses. There was terrible things that happened to them. I don't want to deny any of that. But since we, ha we went through it anyway, it's not like we can opt out. Since we went through it, then what can we learn from it, right? And the learning is the gift. And so one of the learnings for me is that I used to care a heck of a lot more about what people thought of me and the way I presented in the world than I do in 2021. And, and I mean that sincerely. I mean, I'm much more willing to be vulnerable. And, you know, almost all of my vlogs and blogs in 2019 and before were pre-produced. I would, I would write the script. I would try to infuse it with some authenticity because I wrote the words, but now I'm willing to put out in the vlog space time with Brad Montgomery. I mean, what have I resorted to? I mean, this is the <laughs> real me, people. Uh, it's not perfect. You know, sometimes I put the wrong graphic up, um, whatever, you know, it's, it happens. So anyway, I don't know why I went off that tirade, but I, I'm with you so much on the fact that we're all imposters just trying to be validated for where we're real. Well, I'm amazed as I, go through my career that the higher up you go, meaning, you know, are you in the C-suite? Are you talking to the COOs or whatever? The more those people need a hug too. 
they're not as obvious, right? But they're also are feeling like I think I'm doing okay, but I'm not sure. Because no one ever they no one ever encourages them. Their job is to encourage others. And when I go in as an outsider and say, like, seems like you guys are doing great, it's kind of tragic and hilarious where you, you know, they if if the buildup is right and the message is authentic, that hits them in a in a very kind way. And and I walk out of there going, I can't believe it that you see how successful they are and they don't even know it. Yeah, everybody's like that. Yeah, and I think that from the stage, you help people feel the imposter syndrome, reach out to one another and care for one another, you know, leaders to do that, to see the power we have in affirming one another. And I don't think it's BS affirming, right? Like there's the, oh, look at you, you drew oxygen today. I mean, it's not <laughs> that kind of thing. It's like, find the thing. You know, Brad, you made me laugh today. You know, it's like, thank you. And when, and I think I, I've read your stuff on a tweet counts, right? Like if I, if I, if I, or a, a, a text counts, I could just send you a quick text that said, you know, Brad, I just saw a video you did. And it made me laugh. Thank you. It counts. Um, anyway, I, I, I'm, I, I do digress, but I think the point is that part of your, your mission in this world is to help us as human beings be honestly affirming. Yeah. And I kind of encourage people to push that because I'm not in favor of a fake compliment yet. In it, if in doubt, give up that compliment. And here's a story. I, um, earned... all of those compliments to date. Now I know what you're getting. All right. Here's the story. I love that. That, that tells me you're about to tell a story. Let's all tune in. The, um, I earned something called a certified speaker CSBC. I did too. You're not the Certified only one. speaking professional. So you and I both know it's kind of nice and you get a medal and you feel good about yourself. Um, but I got a fax. P think rolly paper that you have to iron out and tear off and um, from Nito Combain, who is somebody you and I really look up to. I oh, love, yeah. Um, and it was like, oh, congratulations on your CSP. You really have achieved, achieved excellence or whatever. Nito didn't know me. Nito didn't know what it took for me to get that. He didn't know much at all, but I'm telling you, I tore that thing up and flattened it and thumbtacked it to my wall. That com that compliment, which wasn't inauthentic, but neither was it a genuine, Brad, I've been watching you. Oh my, I, that fueled me for a couple of years. Nito Cobain sent me a fax. So when I'm talking to leaders who say, well, I only, I'm only, I'm very, I'm a straight shooter. I'm very honest. I'm like, well, maybe could you push it a little bit? I'm not asking you to lie, but shining your CEO spotlight on an entry-level person could change their freaking life. And maybe you ought to encourage that, even though you wow. don't know them that well. Wow. Wow. I'm still shocked at the fax machine. I'm still back there, but I think <laughs> I got the gist of the story nonetheless. Uh, well, no, but it's true. I mean, I, I remember um, a review in a magazine or a publication by John Maxwell, right? And, and the review had reviewed one of my books. Oh, nice. And I remember crying, like I was raised reading John Maxwell, right? John Maxwell is reviewing my book and it was mm. very favorable, but I'm not even sure probably if John Maxwell read it. You know, between you and I, I mean, it could be somebody on his team who read it and said, well, we have nothing else to publish this week. We'll publish a review of Joseph's book. It didn't matter, you know, to me, I had an image of John Maxwell sitting back, having read my book, you know, on the deck of a lake somewhere, 
and then him scribing out what he wanted mm. to say and handing it to his team. I mean, that's how I wanted it to be. And it, it affected me deeply as if that had been the scenario. Who knows? Well, one, your books are ridiculously awesome. So I bet he did read it. Well, the ridiculous part, no one would differ, <laughs> differ with you. At least we are on common agreement on one of the two words. So thank you. Hey, enough of your affirming me. Let's get to a close here by telling people, really, we, we've done this. We flirted with this. Should should I tell them that they can reach out to you at info at bradmontgomery.com? Is that acceptable to you? Well, heck yeah, people. Because if not... Because if not, I can re I can try to edit this out in post-production, uh, except we're live, which is a problem. Um, uh, but they can reach out to you there. But more importantly, let's tell them, they go to your website, they're gonna see oodles of your video, they're gonna see your, your blogs, your live streams, your live streaming with people that I love and adore, people in the in the business. You, you have a knack for live streaming, ordinary people doing extraordinary things, or just ordinary people and getting behind them what and you find their extraordinariness, uh, but I love some of some of that stuff. Teachers, for example, just ordinary teachers who you find out are pretty freaking amazing. It uh, like so many of our peers, I started this because of the pandemic because I was off the road. But the coolest thing, Joseph, is not any of the business side. It's that I get to call up people I admire and pepper them with questions. <laughs> like I just walk out of there feeling like. My day is better. That was sweet. You know, right yeah. now I hang out with the Joseph Michelli. Yeah, there's no the to it, but that's cool. Um, and so go to the website. I'm trying to get people to do something here and you're interrupting my flow, dude. Go to the website. They're going to find out. Uh, they're going to find out how to get you to be a speaker on the virtual side. Maybe start scheduling some stuff when we come out of this uh, with, you know, face to face stuff. Um, clearly they're going to get your vlogs, uh, your video live streams, all that kind of stuff there. Um, and maybe even be able to pull you in, do a virtual facilitation, help them affirm their people, help them manage change, help them lead with heart, get some good storytelling, get some white space for people to re-energize their batteries. Right. I mean, is it, what, what, what am I missing here, dude? No, you got it. I, my tagline uh, is a little cliche, but I think it works. It's the people side of performance and the people side of business. So if if you're uh, if you're ready to invest in your people and you feel like soft skills might have a hard payoff, and if Joseph is booked. <laughs> yeah. Well, in other words, just go to Brad. Let's just save the time because I'm always booked. It's, there's never a moment in my calendar. <laughs> all right, let's. Uh, all right, here's your fat lightning round. I told you about your lightning round, right? So please go to bradmontgomery.com. Thank you, Brad, for being here. Thanks for engaging with the guests and and you know with the people who have, who were interacting with you and all their ideas of how they're trying to you know lead the performance side of people. So thank you for that. So I got to get my notes for the lightning round. That's why my eyes are straining over here. Okay, are you ready? These, anything could happen in the lightning round. You just never know. We just want you to not overthink any of this. I need to give you a proof that anything can happen in the lightning round. I wanna know, uh, and, and I'm just gonna go to a single shot on you because it's really important that, that I want you to know, I want to know what happened to you. I mean, look at you today, Brad, look very carefully into the camera and then tell me what happened to you. <laughs> oh man, I'll tell you, it was a pandemic, way too many Girl Scout <laughs> cookies, bourbon, 
Tiger King. <laughs> I can't even look at any more of that. I'm sorry. I'll go back to the two shots so people know that you're, you know, it's me talking. So um, what were you thinking when you posted that morphed out body? Is that like, is that fantasy? Oh, you, I remember the context for why you put that photo up. If you don't, I have the real story, but go ahead and make up something. Well, I don't remember the real story, but I do know that um, years ago, I figured out something that's so, so common now, but if you put, you know, you Photoshop somebody's head, my head or anyone's head onto a body that doesn't match, that's funny. <laughs> um, you know, less so now, right? Because Photoshop is so common, but um, at the time- You I use this, you use this in your one of your posts, I'll tell you, you used it, I think to suggest that this is what your parents sent to universities to try to convince them <laughs> that you were, you were an athlete yes. and thus should be accepted that into was their it. university. I was on the rowing team and the volleyball team. <laughs> this is a little sensitive topic for me because I went to USC as an undergraduate where oh. all that mayhem took place. So, uh, and you were an athlete? Let's move on. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's, but yeah, like that would have worked. Uh, all right. And my parents had so much money and influence that there was no problem. All right. Hold on. Let's uh, go to a single shot and post up. Uh, speaking of universities, um, and let me take off your, your title thing because I don't really need you. I don't need to try to get people to go to your website right now. Um, speaking of universities, here's a cool picture. Oh, that is my oldest daughter graduating from college. Or uh, nearly grad. That, that's uh, a thing at Worcester that they, they get a big Tootsie Roll after they turn in their senior thesis. Wow, I could not understand the context of the Tootsie Roll, uh, but it now all works for me. So thank you for that. That's helpful. Um, all right, let me uh, get some of my other. What's this about, by the way, while we're doing stuff? Dude, how old are these? <laughs> <laughs> how old are you? I mean, seriously, how old do you have to be to like do that. something like this? What? what? You know, I, I like everything that's new, and I think that's a Snapchat filter. That's fabulous. Thank you for sharing. Um, not really. Uh, all right. So That's I can't funny. even get it off the screen. No matter what I do, it will not go away. Uh, all right. Last two questions. Uh, it, maybe. Um, how about Kim Wooldridge? How about her? She's my wife. You can't have her. <laughs> You've had her for a while. Yeah. 27 years with Kim. She's wow. a rock star. Congratulations. All right, uh, let me get a couple other quick ones. Scotland, tell me about Scotland. Oh, uh, that that same kid with a Tootsie Roll took her uh, one of her semesters her senior year in Scotland. And because I'm not a goofball, we went and visited her and had a really fun trip. And the best part was renting bikes and going all around these tiny little villages. Yeah, that was fun. So the bludgers, the bludgers and then confetti moments. And that's all the time I have for you. The bludgers and then confetti moments. Yeah, we just uh, bludgers. Um, we just won a Harry Potter trivia contest, and by we, even though my wife and I were involved, my daughter did it all. <clears throat> Understandably, we won and a trivia contest. Confetti moments. Just sprinkle some confetti on your way out the door. Yeah, that's the thing I do at some keynotes where it's just a um, kind of a shortcut for uh, being able to celebrate. So I tag it confetti moments and make it funny. And uh, it's one of those nice things that people carry out into the rest of the conference because they will use that phrase as a trigger for a more complicated topic. 
which we can't have time for now, but go to bradmontgomery.com and you'll learn all about it. Okay, that's it. Thank you, Brad. Really appreciate you being here with oh. me today. There, we're out of here with him. All right, so let me just tell the rest of you um, of some of the people who are coming up next. The person who's actually responsible for creating my trade dress, uh, she will be here next week, Suzanne Tulian. In addition to that, the great Tracy Grammer. I seldom ever have musical guests on, but Tracy is an incredible songwriter, comes from the University of California, Berkeley, written amazing songs. She's writing the song a week right now and posted a, a posting on a website on YouTube, Real Women, Real Song. We're gonna talk about the creative process. And then Blueprint, Douglas Conant, if you don't know him, former head of Nabisco, uh, former head of Campbell Soup, uh, he is, uh, it's all of that in a, in a bowl of soup is what I got to tell you when it comes to leadership, the blueprint. And then finally, in Brad's neck of the woods in Colorado is Eric Ferrone, who happened to be my improv comedy teacher back in the day. He runs a company called uh, Bovine Metropolis Theater in downtown Denver. We're going to talk about improvisation and the use of improvisational tools as a leader and just in general, how to think more on your feet and be more spontaneous, not something that Brad Montgomery needs any help with. All right. Thank you all for being a part of it. We'll check it out with you next week. Same bat time, same bat station on the Michelle.